Welcome back to the Family Movie Night Podcast. This is episode 27. And in honor of uh, the film we are talking about today, Pixar's 1998 film, A Bug's Life. I want to ask my wonderful co-host, uh, the hero of our podcast, uh, Flick the Ant as it as it is. Uh, not Woody Allen's ant from the movie <laughs> Ants, uh, but Donnie Dorsey. Uh, I want to ask you, man, if you had to be any bug, what kind of bug would you be, man? What kind of okay. bug? I think I got to be a praying mantis. Okay, why a praying mantis? Because you want to get eaten after after? Isn't that isn't that, aren't praying mantis the one that like once they once they mate or something once they once they uh, repopulate the species, the female devours the male. Oh gosh! <laughs> I'm just telling you, Donnie. <laughs> doesn't sound that great. That that does sound terrifying. I mean, but. I feel like that's like there's so many like insect populations where that like that's the end. They're like, yeah, that's true. See, it yeah. does seem could we have like black widows, <laughs> like all this kind of stuff. So not not good in the animal kingdom to be, or I should say the bug kingdom to be happy honeymoon, <laughs> Donnie. <laughs> I mean, I think the only reason I think about the praying mantis is because I feel like they're more of higher up in the food chain and stuff like that. Because I think they and and plus they relative look really cool. in the bug kingdom. It, yeah, they look relative they look to the rest cool. of the animal kingdom. Not they look so like bad. Karate Kid. Like every time they're about to do something, like you can you imagine like having that level of gracefulness and then also being able to blend into the environment? That'd That's be amazing. True. That's true. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But I don't want to be devoured. <laughs> no, no. That's that's a, that's a whole other deal. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> All right. Sawyer Hewlett, the villain of our podcast, Hopper himself, uh, which is the least terrifying name for a villain. Uh, Sawyer might be a more terrifying name for a villain than Hopper, but uh, Sawyer. Can, can I can I never be the villain whenever we're talking about a Kevin Spacey movie? Just like going nope, forward, can we, we have can to be. We, nope. Can nope, we abandon that? No. Nope, okay. Nope. Oh man, I've kind of been going back and forth. Um, I would definitely love to be. It's like one of two. It's either a butterfly, okay, because they fly and they look cool, or it's an earthworm, because earthworms just get to lay in the dirt and eat, and that's their life. But butterfly, I, I'm going to go with butterfly because they they have a cooler life. They have a cooler lifespan. They evolve and stuff like that. They metamorphize. Okay, I like that. I like that. I think for my I think for my answer, I would be a cockroach. Here's why. Uh. My house is infested all the time with cockroaches, so I could be near to my family <laughs> at all the time. But here's the other good thing is my family, all of my daughters and my wife, they hate cockroaches. So when I need alone time, I could just come in the room, get the TV to myself, and they would flee. And so uh, it's the best of both worlds. Welcome to the Family Movie Night Podcast, where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. My name is Nathan, and uh, unfortunately this week, as you probably already noticed, we are not joined uh, by the graceful and beautiful Heidi Cooper. Uh, unfortunately, you're stuck in slumming it with us today, just the fellas. 
Uh, but we are discussing uh, the great Pixar film. I think this is the second Pixar film, uh, A Bug's Life, uh, which the good news is uh, you got young kids like mine. My kids have never seen this movie. Uh, it's not really often in the contenders as a top tier Pixar movie. I think that's a little unfortunate because I actually think this movie uh, on rewatching it works really well. But in case you don't know what it is, maybe you haven't seen it. Maybe you were not a uh, third grader in 1998. Uh, 1998 as I was uh, but this is a movie about a misfit ant named Flick who goes out looking for warrior bugs to save his colony of ants from greedy grasshoppers led by Hopper the uh, the grasshopper uh, and he recruits a group of bugs uh, that he thinks are warriors and they turn out to be an inept circus troupe uh, who pretend to be warriors he continues to deceive his group of ants, hoping that they will be able to deceive the grasshoppers and get them to stop picking on these ants and stealing all their food. Uh, but before we get to talking about A Bug's Life, Donnie, why don't you tell everybody what it is we do on this podcast? Yeah, on this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories and start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular times of connection and shared experiences that help you build stronger relationships. And, uh, you know, movie nights are, are, they're just great opportunities to do that because movies are not just an easy way to share laughter and joy. And I mean, even fear and sadness in a safe environment, but you know, they give us a chance to talk about what matters most to us in a way that is meaningful and memorable with our children and on this podcast, we uh, we want to not only recommend some movies that you could watch on your monthly movie night, but uh, but even give you some ideas of of meaningful conversations that you can have with your kids during or or even after the movie. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing to your list of things as a parent that you feel guilty about not doing. We actually want to make it easier for you and your kids to enjoy being together and for you to have conversations about important things that affect their character, affects the, the way they live their life so that they can be set up to love Jesus and his way of life even more. And so we're gonna, we want to just help you have fun as we're doing this and uh, really set you up to have good conversations. Whether you choose to watch this movie on your monthly movie night or not, I think there are going to be things that you take away from this conversation that will help you have good conversations with your kids about Jesus and his way of life. And as always, we have that link in the description uh, that will take you to a form where you can tell us what we're missing, a movie we need to talk about or something in our conversation that you think we got wrong or that you wanted to add. Put it in there and we'll discuss it on a future podcast. But first off, let's talk about A Bug's Life. So uh, as I said, this movie came out in 1998, directed by John Lasseter and Andrew Stanton. Uh, John Lasseter kind of uh, was one of the founding members of Pixar, probably the most famous founding member of Pixar, uh, directed Toy Story and maybe Toy Story 2. Can't remember that for sure, but certainly was in, involved on all the creative developments. Now was in over at Disney Animation. Andrew Stanton uh, went on to direct uh, maybe possibly, um, maybe other than Cars 2, the worst Pixar movie. It's called Finding Nemo. Um, and so I just do this to set to Sawyer off oh, every time. He's ya. leaving. He's leaving the room. <laughs> so 
if you can't watch, if you're not watching this, if you're listening, Sawyer literally stood up where he is. I don't know if he realized that this is a uh, virtual meeting and leaving the room wearing a headset does not remove him from the conversation. Oh my gosh. But he was so upset about me uh, trash talking, uh, finding Nemo that uh, upset him. But he is the villain of this podcast. Uh, so, no. No, you're the villain of this podcast. No, you this hate is Finding Nemo. This is not a Finding Nemo podcast. On oh that podcast, God. I could easily be the. But this is a Bug's Life. So, in case you haven't seen a Bug's Life, uh, Donnie, why don't you tell us what it is? You know what? I'll let Sawyer go first. If you can contain yourself not to praise Finding Nemo, I will. Uh, oh. I will not allow such slander of a Bug's Life to compare it positively or negatively to Finding Nemo. Uh, but go ahead and talk about. What is it for families who haven't seen? Because I think a lot of young kids haven't seen this. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not on the level, I would say, of recognizability of like a Toy Story or even a no. Finding Nemo. Uh, no. One of those. No. Those are a little more popular. But is A Bug's Life worth parents going back and watching with their kids? So I think so. So like this movie is like, first of all, I think the history of it is maybe just as interesting as the movie itself in that it was the second Pixar movie. And when it came out, like, here's the thing. It is objectively not even close to being as good as Toy Story. Like, it's just, it's not sure. even close. But, and so, like, when it came out, everyone was like, oh, well, this is a disappointment. Even though it's a really good movie is the thing. And that's kind of why why it's really interesting to me personally, like, the context of it. Um, because, like, when I was growing up, I freaking loved A Bug's Life. Um, I think that the humor is really good. Um I, the the villain Hopper is 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 a very good villain in my opinion, um, and I, and I mean look you're about to hear us talk about a bug's life. We have a lot of like very deep thoughts about a bug's life. It is a very thematically rich movie, um, and, and, and yeah, I I think that this is definitely worth checking out again. Maybe I'm guessing if you're a parent, you like saw this movie either when it came out or when you were a little kid, maybe. Um, I, I was two years old when this came out, and I, I want to say that like we owned this and Toy Story, and I'm pretty sure we watched them equally on on VHS. Like we watched both Same. of them, like equally. And so, I I'll say I this: definitely... I had the PlayStation video game of A Bug's Life, and like the second or third level is when you have to ride on the little dandelions across oh. and avoid the birds across that big thing. That's terrifying. I can't watch that scene anymore. I get I get anxiety. I had to tell my kids I got to leave the room because Daddy's remembering being like hit X, hit X, because it was it was terrifying, man. It was terrifying. But go on. Yes, we watch this movie all the time too. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I I I think it especially like the humor. It's it, it's really good on like physical comedy. Like Toy Story has like just like the best dialogue of any animated movie like maybe ever. Whereas like this movie has like weirdly good physical comedy comedy um i love i love francis francis is my favorite character um growing up i love francis more than any toy story character um he's just everything about him is just hilarious to me yeah i absolutely love this movie as well and i've got some more history i want to talk about this movie because i think it's fun i'm going to limit myself to a short amount of time but before i do donnie i want you to talk about what you love about this movie Uh, I, honestly, for me, I think what I loved about this movie is that it still resonates years later after everything that it like it was doing. Like the characters are fantastic. Each of the the voice actors they choose work perfectly for 
their characters. I mean, the comedy works like effortlessly, like it works along multiple levels for the kids and the adults. It's, I mean, there's so much for it to be enjoyed by. I, I love it. I, I loved it. I didn't, I didn't realize how much I liked this movie. Like, because yeah. it's been so long. So, uh, the themes in this movie really deal with the ideas of deception, and we want to talk about how do you have conversations watching this movie with your kids about this idea uh, that lying is not an effective way to live your life, and unfortunately. Uh, in in our culture, it seems like lying is a good way to live your life. It doesn't take your kids very long to figure out uh, that the systems in our society are really built around human beings lying to one another. Uh, we all know social media by its nature is a group of people accepting everything's a lie. Every magazine you see is a group of Photoshop people, and we all just kind of agree. No one's body really looks like that. Those people's bodies don't really look like that, but we all buy into the lie. Uh, should not be a shock to say I had to have this conversation with my kids when we were watching, I don't remember what the movie was, some about politics. And they said, so all those people just told lies? And I said, and here's what's funny. We all know those people are going to lie to us about what they will and won't do. And we're just choosing which of the lies do we prefer? <laughs> which of the lies? We're going to take a guess that your lies are not quite as bad. And so you have kids who just observe this in the world, but then certainly in their own lives, they figure out pretty quick when I do something uh, that I don't want to get caught, hiding it is better than telling the truth, at least in their minds. Uh, and then... Uh, you know, certainly certain kids are charmers and they learn if I want to get what I want, I just have to kind of schmooze a little bit and manipulate a little bit and tell tell some white lies to kind of get what I want. And so lying is just part of human nature and it feels like it gets you ahead. And in this movie, the whole movie is really premised upon you have a good intentioned character, Flick. He wants to rescue his people who are being um, oppressed by these grasshoppers, right, who are bigger and stronger. And so they forcibly force the ants to work and give them their food, right? So the kids already understand this is wrong. This shouldn't be happening. And Flick's solution is, well, maybe if I lie and pretend we have some bigger, stronger guys, then maybe it'll all work out in my favor. And the movie kind of looks like the lie is going to work. And then it all falls apart. And I think it's an opportunity for us to talk about even if the lie is effective for a short period of time, it is never the way God intends for us to live, not only because it is morally wrong, but because it is not an effective way to operate your life. So, Donnie, can, can you start us off by talking about how do I talk to my kids about um, the idea that it doesn't matter what your intentions are, right? Flick's a good intention person. Lying is not the solution. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, um, one of the things I was thinking about is just a lot, a lot of times I think the reason why people will justify or offer a lie is because the idea is that the lie is less harsh than the truth. Um, that's one way. Cause I mean, like it's when you tell a friend or a family member or anyone, you know, Hey, this is your, this is great. And you're thinking, oh, well, I'm saving, you know, I, I'm, I'm protecting them from the pain. But ultimately, you could be causing it to be inflicted. 
you know, and then there's also the idea is that when you when you do lie and you are deceptive, a lie creates a a misunderstanding of how relationships are built and how interactions should be done. Because when you when you choose to lie, you're telling you're telling the other person that one you just you don't necessarily deserve to receive my full honest transparent communication with you which when that when there's not transparency in levels of communication where there's deception there can't be a full trust there can't be full levels of a full great relationship i mean you you learn that in like cuz you might say oh well this you know, you have this talent and blah, blah, blah. You say it. And maybe that's not true. You don't, that doesn't mean you have to be mean about it, but you can be honest without being deceptive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I think the the central thing you're getting to, and this is the way I talk to my kids about it is trust is essential for all human relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. You cannot have a relationship where there is not an agreement between the two people that each one of us is telling the truth. Now, people do have relationships where they don't trust each other. And what unfortunately ends up happening is, very much like I was talking about with politics, Mm -hmm. people just accept, I don't really trust anything you're saying to me. You don't really trust anything I'm saying to you. So we're going to try and assume things about each other rather than talk to one another. So when you tell me something, I go, "Mm, that's probably not the whole truth. Let me make up a story in my head. And you do the same thing when I say it, right? Or I just go, well, I'm going to trust you, although you're not trustworthy. Yeah. And I'm going to put myself in dangerous positions. And anytime I choose to lie, what I am doing is I am killing the relationship. Absolutely. I'm saying is there's no way we can. So I say to my kids all the time, if you tell me you're going to do something and you don't do it, that breaks trust. Yeah, because you're setting the expectation you're setting an expectation for someone to go, the things that you say to me can't aren't trustworthy. Yes. And sometimes people say, like they they use the term little white lie. Well, the problem with that is that once you start, there's two things that happens with that. Either one, you have to maintain and remember that lie and make sure that you don't get caught in your lie, which is a horrible thing, which means that you now have to be deceptive in all circumstances because you can't control all environments mm-hmm. you know and so like you said with it breaks that trust because if i tell you hey you know this thing i'm going to do this thing i'm setting an expectation for you to believe and mm-hmm. if i follow through on that i build a long-standing trust so when i say something it's very wholeheartedly believed and that means that when I pass along that trust to another person and it came from me, I'm also creating a flurry of that. Because right. if, if I say, you know, I wholeheartedly trust Sawyer with XYZ, <laughs> with XYZ, and I Bad say that, call, right? Donnie. Bad call. <laughs> I yeah. thought he was going to get up and leave the room. That, me telling you that he's not a trustworthy per- person doesn't make him leave the room. Me saying Finding Nemo is bad, he can't be in the same room. <laughs> Although we're not in the same room. Look, that probably only speaks to my my shame issues, my my mommy and daddy issues. That, that <laughs> Finding Nemo slander is way worse than slander towards me. 
your character. <laughs> All right, very good. Go ahead, Donnie. Sorry. But yeah, like in, in those moments, it helps to make your trustworthiness basically uh what's the word look for? Transferable. Because now it's like, okay, if I tell you, hey, this person's trustworthy, because you trust me, now that person build can build trust with you. You allow other relationships to flourish and to grow. But the second you break that level of trust, being deceptive and lying to someone, now each time you speak, there's a reduced level of trust. And the less amount of trust that's in a relationship, the less likely that relationship will flurry. Yeah. You know, it will it will continue to grow. But like it's and I think with kids at times is that it's that fear that either one, what they're going to ask or want to do is going to be rejected. So they feel like if I give you something that's palatable, then you'll you'll accept it. And you don't have to know that's not all the way true. Yeah. And so they do that like the same way they do with like trying to handle with interactions with bullies. They might say, well, I'm not really being bullied at school. Well, what do you mean you're not really being bullied at school? Well, they only take my money and I have extra. So and then they create this. They create this environment where they become comfortable with the deception. And also yeah. with that unhealthy relationship, because they've lied to themselves about that. This is OK, like because deception doesn't always come to others. Sometimes it comes in deceiving yourself about yeah. what the truth really is. Well, and I think so. I think that's a good kind of summary and or, or I say an explanation really of deception. I kind of just want to summarize it to, to get everyone kind of thinking on the same thing. Trust, uh, trust is essential for every relationship. Therefore, deception of any kind, uh, it kills relationships. Uh, me withholding truth that you need to make an informed decision is me controlling you through deception. It's why Jesus says, that's when Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. He really isn't talking about you can never sign a document and take an oath. He isn't saying that you can't make an oath on your mortgage payment to pay your mortgage. That isn't what he's saying. What he's saying is, is in their culture, the way that you made oaths were sort of like we would say, like, I swear on my mama's grave. Mm -hmm. it, it's a way of trying to use your words to gain power over another person. And we do that in different ways that when a kid goes, you know, or, or, or as adults, we try and go, I'm not the kind of person that would tell you a lie or we tell lies in such a way to make ourselves seem better or worse to try and control you. Uh, mm -hmm. I am, I am, I am taking away your ability to properly choose. And I remember uh, reading an article from a uh, woman who wrote about her husband cheating on her. And she said, you stole from me my right to choose because I did not choose to be married to a man who would sleep around on me. And your deception of not revealing that information to me stole something from me. And we don't think of deception that way. Because some people go, if I tell the truth, it's going to do more harm to them than not telling the truth. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, but, but me being in a relationship vulnerable around you is important. And obviously the other side of it is, and this is what I want Sawyer to talk about is, and um, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a moment, but there's a great book right here called Jesus and the Disinherited. And I'll talk about it more, but in it, the uh, author, um, Howard Thurman says that the person, no matter how good their intentions are in deceiving others, what happens is they themselves become a deception. 
that they be themselves become a falsehood. And this is where a lot of shame comes for kids, that when they start to live a lie, when they when they never get caught doing things and they've hidden things, what they know is the image I've created out here is imaginary. The person that everyone loves and accepts and thinks is such a good kid, that person is imaginary. That person is not real. And if they knew the real me and they knew what I did, they would never love me. Now, that's a voice all of us hear. That's a danger of lying, too. It's not just that I deceive you, but as Donnie said, I would deceive myself. And then that's where the voice of shame can speak into our kids. So, sorry, you want to talk about how this movie really kind of hits on the ideas of shame um, behind that? Yeah. So the main character, Flick, I, I, I just I really relate to him in that, you know, he in the first act and kind of this, into the second act, He's just trying to make something work because he hates his current environment. Now, Flick, oh, am I good? Okay. Flick is a Flick is a product of his environment, is the thing. And I think what's really effective, affective in the movie is how because he's a product of his, his toxic environment, he doesn't know what a great environment is going to be. And so he's just trying to create a new environment and those environments are not exactly the best option is the thing. And so what happens is, you know, he creates this lie that these, these new insects are warriors is the thing that are going to stop the grasshoppers and they're going to stop hopper and they're going to help deliver the ants. Okay. And that's just, that's not the role that those characters play. It's it's actually very similar to like filmmaking. You know, if you tell an actor, hey, this is the role you're playing, and then they show up and you're like, hey, by the way, it's actually a different role that you're playing. <laughs> they're they're gonna walk off the set, okay? Um and and but like in real life with like flick, I, I relate because it's very much like Okay, I have this image that I want people to view me as. With Flick and with myself, by the way, it's very much like I want people to view me as competent and and capable and smart, okay? And I I think what the whole movie is kind of about is how faking it till you make it is is only going to create problems, which by the way, I say I'm going to fake it till I make it like regularly is the thing. Like I, you can ask a lot of people around here and they'll, they'll be able to say like, Oh yeah. So I've heard Sawyer say that that is a bad thing is the thing that, that this movie is, is pointing out. Yeah. Well, and I think that's huge. I think the idea that when I, when I choose to buy into the lie, uh, I, I am ultimately, uh, compromising what is most important about me, the image of God in me, where where God can speak truth to me. Um, and eventually I start to buy into lies that aren't true, that I'm somehow worthless, that I somehow have no value, right? And it's hard to differentiate between the lies that are being told to me by the enemy and the lies I'm telling to everyone else. Because the sad part about lying, and I'll tell you this as a person who lied uh, I'm not, like, I don't lie now, but uh, as a person who spent much of his childhood just lying all the time, it was just part of who I was. I was lying to myself. I was lying to others. There are often memories that are stories that I have told to make myself look good, to to um, maybe get myself out of trouble, something like entire stories I would make up. And I can't tell 
I've talked to my wife about this before. I can't tell if those stories are true or not. I've told them so much. Part of me goes, I don't actually think that's a true story, but it's so hard to remember because I bought into the lie I've told people so long. And the sad part is when you buy into your own lie, it's hard to know who else is lying to you. And when you hear a voice from the enemy saying, hey, you know, if people actually knew the things you've done, no one would love you, right? And you can see that in Flick. He thinks if people find out he's a fake, no one will love him. And it's only the moment when he stands up and tells the truth that he actually realizes I am accepted. And then he turns around and he sees there's this group of ants behind him and I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And this is the final thing I want to talk about, which is here's a version of, of, of deception. So I think obviously it's kind of easy to talk. I shouldn't say easy, but it, everyone kind of gets, you got to tell your kids they can't lie to you and they can't lie to one another. I think the understanding that relationships are built on trust is easy. I think we probably wouldn't naturally go to the idea of shame, but we get, we don't want our kids to buy into lies about themselves. But here's one I think a lot of people don't get to. And this is where Howard Thurman and Jesus and the disinherited comes in. Uh, Howard Thurman was a pastor uh, in uh, this book was written. He's an African-American pastor. This book is written in 1949. And so he wrote this book about how Jesus um, interacts and really is on the side of the way he uses the word disinherited. But he means those who have no power, uh, the, the poor, the powerless in a society, which obviously as a black man living in 1940s America, uh, we understand historically where he 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 fit, fit in with the disinherited. And so he writes this book, and I read this uh, a little while ago, and uh, this book written in 1949 has so many powerful insights. He talks about this idea that I've heard of before, but I think he just really illustrates it, that Jesus came to bring peace. But the problem most people have is we live with what's a false peace. And he says the, the, the disinherited, the powerless, are people who often live... Uh, in a false peace. And so you look at this movie and I know it feels a little silly to talk about ants and grasshoppers and compare it certainly to the evils in our world, but uh, for our children to be able to say, Hey, here's a group of people. And all, all of my kids instantly understood, man, it is not fair that these ants are having to do all this work and they get bullied and have to give it over to the grasshoppers just because they're bigger and stronger. So they already feel that, right? Well, the ants are living with this false peace. And what I mean by false peace is they're not being attacked but they're also deceiving. And we don't think of it this way. But here's how uh, Howard Thurman refers to it. He says uh, there are what he calls the three hounds of hell that every oppressed person, every powerless person lives under. And they are fear, uh, hatred, and deception. And he says this is one of the most evil deceptions that, uh, uh, that people who are, are in the oppressed minority have to deal with. And he says it's the, it's the term compromise. And he said, what happens when you deceive in a compromise in the sense of, uh, I won't advocate for my freedom. I won't call injustice, injustice. I'll just kind of deal with it because this is my lot in life, like these ants in this movie, is he says, the lie that you're living under is you are calling an evil thing good and normal. You are saying when I am picked on, when I'm oppressed, when I'm treated unjustly, you start to say, that's good and normal, and no one should stand up against it. And what happens in this movie is Flick isn't really standing up. Not until the end of the movie. 
Flick's way of dealing with the problem is let me create this lie. Let me create this story that there's an outside force that's going to come and deal with this instead of standing up. And like he does at the end of the movie where he says, there's more of us than there are of you. So we're not going to take this anymore. Uh, we're not going to, we're not going to, I'm not going to allow you to continue to treat me like I am less than. And I think for a lot of kids, and I'll just say this for a lot of families, there are a lot of kids who are peacemaker kind of kids and they go without and they don't ever stick up for themselves. They never allow their voice to be heard. And especially, I'll just say this. I have a child that's this way. I was a child that was this way. As a Christian, you start to think, well, what I'm doing is uh, I am, I, I, I'm actually loving people because I'm not being selfish. I'm not making everything about me, right? I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, that was unfair. Hey, you can't talk to me like it. Hey, we can't, you know, hey, sometimes I get to pick what's on TV. Hey, sometimes I get to, you know, pick what restaurant we go to. I don't always have to, I don't always have to give in to other things. That what happens is it's a lie that you tell yourself, which is uh, the fact that I am not always treated fairly. I'm going to call that okay and fine and good. And the problem is not only are you saying that to another person and you're not helping them to be challenged and to grow, but you're also believing it yourself. I'm not as worthy of good things. I'm not as worthy uh, of, of people looking to my interests and my needs. I'm not worthy of being heard and respected. And that is not a true peace. The true peace Jesus came to bring was one where all human beings are loved and accepted. And certainly in cases of injustice and oppression, certainly in cases where there is wrong being done, Christians should be the one to say, up, hey, guys, it's not okay with us in society that, that some people are treated worse. It's not okay with me that some people don't have all the food they need. They don't have all the things they need. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to use my voice to tell the truth, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it makes things a little less peaceful in the sense that not everyone wants to hear it. But I'm going to use my voice to make a difference because Jesus did not come to bring a false peace. He came to bring a true peace. And if we're going to raise children who like Flick in this movie, eventually stand up, and not just for small things, but really in all things. That rhymes so that you know that's true. Not just in small, that's how a preacher would do it. And not just in the small things, but in all things, right? That's good. That's how you know I'm a preacher, right? Um, that in all things, that they would tell the truth and they would not buy into their own lies. Not just for relationships to flourish. Not just for them to not feel shame, but they can be loved but also so they can be a part of bringing true peace. And I think this movie is a great way to talk about that. So we're going to wrap up our discussion here and uh, we will uh, hope that you guys watch this movie. If not, I hope you have these conversations because just for your family, even if it's just to say to your kids, I think this is a huge one. I'll throw this in at the last one, which is, hey, if you think something I did, I have to say this to my kids a lot. My kids will say, I think the way you're talking to me or treating me is unfair. And they're not even necessarily right right? Like this consequence is a fair consequence. But for, for them to know you can always tell me and talk to me, even if you think I'm wrong, right? That that's an important conversation that they know. I want you to tell me the truth, even if the truth is you're mad at me. Even if the truth is you think I'm being a bully. Yeah. Even if you think I'm being unfair, 
I want us to always have communication because you withholding truth from me also keeps us from having a relationship. So I hope you guys have these conversations. You have more honest, open conversations with your kid that you teach him to love Jesus in his way of life even more. We'll see you next time.